Second Peter chapter 1 is going to be our text for our message this morning. Today being the fourth Sunday of the month, our kids stay with us in worship today. And I always look forward to this day, probably more than parents do, honestly. But uh, I'm their pastor too, and I enjoy getting to speak to them and they get to be a part of our worship together on these days. Speaking of kids, when I was a kid, there was a movie that was really popular that uh, by today's standards looks a little, uh, oh, I don't know, a little outdated, a little kitschy when you see it, but it was the movie, The Never Ending Story. And uh, the, the idea of the movie was this, essentially a boy finds a book and reads the book. And as the story of the book unfolds, he gets to the end of the book and finds that he is a part of the story. He is written into the story, so to speak. Spoiler alert, I just ruined it for you if you haven't seen it, right? But that's the way that the, that's the, way that the, the story goes. And thinking about the passage that we're going to study today and, and really the, the theme for the day, if you will, how vision drives discipleship. That really, in, in many ways, discipleship is the never-ending story that we find ourselves into, that written into, if you, if you will, to, to borrow from that movie, that we find that our story, our, each one of us individually, our story, but then also our story collectively as a body, as a, as a church, is a part of this never-ending process of reaching people, the mission of our church is to love all people to Christ and to multiply disciples. The way that we do that, the way that we multiply disciples is through intentional relationships and passing on the faith from one person to another, from one generation to another, that we may, that we may raise up a future generation of disciples who will raise up another generation of disciples and, and we continue in this work until Jesus comes again someday. And that process of passing on the faith really is the, the essence of what discipleship is all about. If you get down to its most fundamental, most basic level, a disciple is a follower, is someone who follows. It's really what the word even means. A disciple is a follower. And so discipleship is the process of following, or it's, it's about how we follow Jesus and we learn to walk in that faith and grow in our faith. And all of those things will come into play in this text that we're going to study together today as we're studying what it means to be driven by vision. We're a church that is driven by a vision. And so for several weeks now, we've been looking at different passages and different ways that vision moves us forward as a church with the mission, with the, the, the calling that God has given us. And really what we're doing if you haven't put the pieces together, is we're studying together the purpose of the church. But we're looking at the purpose of the church from this unique aspect, how God gives us a vision as a people, and that vision leads us to accomplish his purpose as a local body, as a local church, as a, a group of people who are called together, united by our common belief in Jesus, the common faith that we share, united together, our lives, each one of us. And the connected theme that's woven through each of these messages is the idea of vision or sight or blindness, as some of these passages speak of it. Even this text that we're going to study today speaks about blindness or nearsightedness, if we aren't putting these things into practice in our lives, how we are spiritually blind or nearsighted. 
We want to be, rather than having sort of a spiritual myopia, nearsightedness, we want to be a people who are, are focused on this God-given vision of reaching people with the love of Christ and multiplying disciples generation after generation. And so let's, let's jump into this today. Even as we get into that, I, I want to make one statement, which you see at the top of your notes on the backside of your worship guide, which then in really in many ways becomes sort of the foundation that everything else we're going to discuss today is built on this one central idea. And it's this, that discipleship, when we really get into talking about what discipleship is and living with the vision for discipleship and how this vision drives us forward as the church, we need to understand that discipleship is not a class that you complete It's not something that you do and you just check it off. Well, I've done that. Now I'm discipled. But instead, it's more of a path that we we walk together, a journey that we take. So don't think of discipleship as a class. It's it's not a, a program. Rather, it is... It's a path. It's a journey that we're on together, each one of us. And so because of that, we can all be disciples and we can be at different points in our discipleship. Each one of us uniquely at a different place along that path, that journey that we're all on together. And so this message really is for all of us. It's for every one of us, regardless of whether you have been a believer for what may feel like a lifetime, you know, maybe, maybe longer than many others in the church perhaps have even been alive. And we have those gathered in our midst today, right? We have people who have walked in faith in Christ for 60 plus years, 70 plus years and more even. Or maybe for some, you're relatively new to the faith. We have some who have walked maybe a matter of six or seven weeks, not 60 or 70 years, right? And wherever you are on this spiritual path, this, this, this pathway of following after Jesus today, this message will speak to you, I believe, because it's, it's about moving from where we are to draw closer to Christ. And so let's study together this text in Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, read through verse 10 together. His divine power, of course, we're talking about Christ. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness to the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. I want you to notice something even in just these two verses. I want you to see that we have the power of Christ at work in our lives. We have his promises which guide us so that we become participants, partakers as it says, participants together. And all of this, the power of God that, that leads us to know his promises so that we become participants in the work of Christ, all of this is trying to lead us away from the old self, the old nature, the old way, the sinful desires that would lead us down a path of destruction, rather to lead us down a path that is life and peace in knowing Jesus. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness. Steadfastness with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Here we have a path laid out for us, right? Look at the progression of, of, of these virtues that Peter gives us here. He talks about faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. And he tells us that if we are walking in the faith, if we are growing to the degree that, that the, these virtues are, are growing, we're growing in these virtues, we might say, in our practice of them, it will keep us from falling in our faith. It will keep us walking this path strong in the, that's really the goal that we all have is to follow that path, to walk that path of discipleship that the Lord has laid out for us and to do it well. There's a book that's called Disciple Making Is. This past spring, spring of 2019, I was in a doctoral seminar that was called Developing a Disciple-Making Strategy for a Healthy, Growing Church. That's a mouthful, right? But it really was a great uh, seminar that, that dealt specifically with laying out a disciple-making strategy for the church. And this actually was a, a, a seminar that Doug and I were able to take together and, and were able to sort of dovetail the projects that we had to do, the papers we had to write, and, and really focus on how they might be put into practice and implementation inside the life of our church. One of the books that we read for that class is known as Disciple Making Is, and it's by a guy named Dave Earley. And this is the statement that Dave Earley makes in this particular book that I, I thought was so good and profound. Because so much of the time when we think about being a disciple, we want the, we want the short and sweet version of it. We want the fast track. We want something that's, that's regimented, that is, that, that is easy to implement, easy to swallow. And really when we understand discipleship and when we truly unpack what discipleship is all about, we quickly figure out that it's messy because it's as unique as each individual disciple. It's as unique as each one of us are in our life, in our situation, in our circumstance, in our story, in our background, in our calling, in our future. And all of these things work together in this sticky web of relationships inside the church. And that in all of this, God is forming us together both individually and corporately together as a people, as a body, as a church. And when you think about it, it, it can be a bit overwhelming, a bit intimidating to try to get to the bottom of that and say, well, where's the way forward for us? But this is what Dave Earley says that I think helps bring the process of making disciples into focus. He says that the slow process of raising multiplying leaders is the fastest way to fulfill the Great Commission. Now think about that. The slow process of raising multiplying leaders. And that's really what discipleship is about. It's about raising disciples who can make other disciples. It's about disciples duplicating disciples. Disciples multiplying disciples, as we say in our, in our own mission statement. Multiplying disciples. And the slow process of multiplying disciples really is the fastest way to accomplish the Great Commission. 
When we will invest in relationships, invest in one another, invest in a local body in the church, raise up future generations, we can multiply disciples and build the kingdom of God. And in doing that, we accomplish the great commission that we've all been called to. It's a beautiful picture of how we together grow in our faith as we journey toward Christ. And today, I want that to be the focus. So we're going to see three things in particular. We talk about this path of discipleship, that it's not just a program that we, that we participate in, but it's a path that we, that we walk on. It's not a class that we complete, right? But it's something that we're engaged with for a lifetime, truly. And when we think about this path, there are three Three mile markers, if I can describe them this way, that, that we all share in common along this path of discipleship. And I want to look at these today and, and particularly how they ought to shape our approach to our individual journey of discipleship, but then also corporately together as a body, the journey, the path that we're on as a people called of God to love others to Christ and multiply disciples. So the first mile marker, if I can call it that, along this path is the word decision. We're going we're to decide, we're going to, um, we're going to use the word decision to describe this first mile marker. And that essentially is this. It's the decision that, that each of us make to follow Christ, to become a believer in Jesus Christ. When we make that decision, when we make that commitment by faith, surrendering our life to Christ, then, then we are on now this path as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. That's really what a disciple is, is a follower of Jesus. And at the point that we make a commitment to follow Christ, that we surrender our life to him, then we become a part of this, uh, this, this body of Christ, this group of disciples, and our path is set before us. We may not see it all. We don't see all of the intricate twists and turns and, and, and the long and winding road that it may be. And yet we know by faith that God has a future. He has a plan laid out for us. And if we will be faithful to take the next steps He'll show us the rest of the path in time. This is about living a gospel-centered life, about being rooted and established in the faith, even in this text that we're looking at. Look again at verse 3 and 4 particularly. And let's unpack some of these statements here because there are some really loaded theological truths in these phrases. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, what Peter is saying is that the power of God has given us everything that we need to know him, to live in godliness, and to experience the fullness of life that Jesus promises. Remember in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says that he came that we may have life and that we may have it to the full life, life abundantly that Jesus has promised. We know that life through faith in Jesus. And then by faith in him, we are, we are given a, a calling, a, a path to walk, so to speak, that leads us closer to Christ. It's that path of godliness, of holiness, of sanctification is a really fancy word that we'll use sometimes, which just essentially means it's, it's about growth in holiness, progressing in our holiness, in our Christ-likeness. And all of this comes, it says, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So as we grow in our understanding 
That's the knowledge of him who called us. And as we grow in our obedience, that's where we live according to his glory and his excellence. Then we journey in this faith that we have. And that begins with the decision, the decision to follow Christ. And and this is the point that I I really want to emphasize for you to consider this morning is there, there, there need be a moment in each of our lives where we surrender our life to Jesus. There has to be that moment of decision, that moment of surrender where we surrender our life to him, where we say, Lord, I, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I confess you as the Lord, the Savior of my life. But the decision to follow Christ is not a one-time event that I make, I make a one-time decision and that's it. it. It has to be a daily decision to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow after Jesus. There has to be a daily decision to to pursue him. And yes, there is the beginning point by faith when we surrender our lives to him, but it continues day by day along life's journey of saying, Lord, I choose to follow you. I choose to pursue your way, your path, your calling in my life, not just what I want, not, not just what I would have. And so many people get, they get, lost along the way, not because, not because they make a monumental decision to walk away, but just simply because they drift over time, slowly. They drift happens when we, when we don't make that daily decision to follow Christ, to center our lives around the gospel, the truth of his word, to, to know him, to pursue him. It's about that decision to follow Christ. And so discipleship is not just about a, a destination, but it's about, it's about a direction. It's about growing closer to Christ as we make the decision to deny ourselves, to follow after him. So that first mile marker is the decision. It's the decision to surrender our lives to him. It's the decision day after day to pursue him over what I want, over my sinful desires, which I know are corrupt, which I know are fallen. We make a decision to follow after him. The second mile marker along this path, if you will, is devotion. It's about devotion. It's about devoting my life and my resources. It's about devoting my, my energy and my loves and my affections and, and, and my giftedness in pursuit of God's purpose for my life. Look at the way that he lays it out here. There's sort of a, um, we might think of it as a linear progression that takes place. Faith, virtue, right? He's walking us through these knowledge, self-control, steadfastness. There's this progression that, that we see as we, as we surrender to the Lord and as we devote ourselves to him, as we pursue spiritual disciplines, as we, as we invite accountability into our lives as we, as we seek to live on this path in community with others who are going to encourage us and, and, and help us along life's journey. We grow in the faith. It's about devoting our lives, devoting our resources, devoting all that we have to Jesus. And for many of us, this is where it feels like the core of our discipleship takes place. This is where it feels like, practically speaking, like so much of discipleship happens is in those daily decisions, those daily, uh, those, those, those daily rhythms of life that we pursue the Lord, that we devote ourselves to him, that we study the word, that we spend time in prayer, that we, that we seek to deny ourselves, that we share community with others who can help us and encourage us. So much of our discipleship happens 
in this decision, uh, excuse me, devotion phase, if, if you will, this, the, the, along this, this second mile marker. But I want you to understand that your journey is not complete if you have only devoted your life to the Lord after having made a decision to follow him. That there's another step, another benchmark, another mile marker along the way that we all need to be pursuing. And that's this third step. That's where the disconnect is for a lot of us. And and I would describe the third mile marker using the word deployment. That's the word we're going to use, deployment. Because it's it's about multiplying disciples by essentially duplicating what was invested in us. That we are raised up in order to raise up others. And that deployment happens when we begin investing in someone else. When I was a youth pastor years ago, I would, I would often say to students who were graduating our student ministry and moving on into that next phase of life, I, I would say to them, students, to this point in your life, you have been this church's significant investment. Now it's time to be a, signif- a part of a significant return, right? That, that it's, time to, it's time to make a return on that investment. Well, church, I want to say to you today that there are many, and not just students, but many in, in our church who need to hear this, that you have been a part of this church's significant investment. It's time to be a part of the return. It's time that you would begin to invest in others and pour into others the way that you have been invested in, the way that you have been poured into. Deployment is scary for us when we think about this because if we're being honest, it's at this point that we, that we really wrestle with and come to grips with the fact that I don't know everything that I wished I knew. I, I, I don't do everything that I feel like I'm supposed to do. This is the point where we really have to wrestle with our sense of inadequacy. This is the point where we really have to wrestle with our, our, uh, our sense of uh, fear, our, our sense of anxiety even perhaps. We have to let go of our struggle for control, our desire to control things, and acknowledge that life won't go the way that we want. And even discipleship doesn't go the way that we always choose, and that the process can be messy, and then it can be, it can be in many ways for us, it can be intimidating and, and even a bit scary. And yet, there is such a need. There is such a need in the church today, and, and, and I'm speaking about First Baptist Church of Chickasha, but I'm really speaking here about even in a broader context. There is such a need today in the church for disciples who will invest in and raise up others who can do the same. There is such a, there is such a, a, a need, a, a spiritual need for a generation of people who will give to others what has been given to them, who will invest in others the way that they were invested in and who will be deployed to duplicate other disciples. There is something about you in your spiritual life. There is something about you in God's calling, his purpose for your life, in your personal path of discipleship. There is something that is incomplete if you are not using the gifts that God has given you to help invest in and raise up others. And let me speak to a couple of particular groups of people today 
very pointedly. For one, to parents. Let me say to parents in the room. We got lots of parents in the room today. Can I tell you that as a parent, your number one calling in raising up disciples is in the children that God has given you. The, the, the primary discipler of your children is not supposed to be a children's pastor or a youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher. The primary discipler of your children, you as their parent, as their father, as their mother, you are the ones that God has called to disciple those young people and raise them up. Parents can, can understand so much of what discipleship is about because we can relate it to the task, of, the task of parenting in general. The idea of your job as a parent is to raise up these kids so that someday they can, they can function on their own, right? Someday that they'll be able to manage a house and hold down a, a job and, and raise a family. Of the, the, so much of that we see built into the structure of a family. But listen, discipleship by God's design, discipleship, is made to happen in that structure of the family. It was the first structure that God instituted from the beginning of creation. Adam and Eve and gave them children and told them to be fruitful and multiply. And, and from the beginning, we see this is a part of God's design, that discipleship happens in that structure of the family. Now, some of us were blessed to have great parents who did a wonderful job of discipling. And I say us, and, and, and I'm using there the, the first person because I was a part of this. I had, a, I had wonderful parents who did an awesome job discipling me. Some, though, didn't have that. Some didn't have, maybe it didn't happen at home. But you need to hear this. Regardless of the, the faults or the failures that your parents may have had in discipling you and equipping you and raising you up, God has brought you to this point. He's led you to this point in your life's journey so that you can invest in your family and your children. If you're a parent here today, you need to hear this. This is such an important thing to hear. Don't give the discipleship of your children away to somebody else. Now, that doesn't mean we have phenomenal leaders in our church who work in our, our children, our youth ministries. In fact, we, we say often, and we're very purposeful about this, we want the best of the best of the people in our church serving in our children, in our preschool, in our youth, because we see the task of raising up the, gen, the next generation as foundational to our calling as a church. And so we want the best of the best investing in our young people. We want to devote the best of our resources. Study something like our church's budget. You look at our church's budget and you look at how much of our budget, both in terms of personnel and resources, go toward raising up future generations. And, and we unapologetically, we commit to make that a major priority for our church. But I want to say to all the parents in the room, before it's the responsibility of the church, it's first and foremost your responsibility. Don't give that away to someone else. Study the word with your family. Pray with your family. Invest in your children. Raise them up to be people who can raise up other disciples. But even beyond that, I told you there are a couple of groups I want to talk to. So one group is parents. And I want to, I want to, I want to sound the call for parents. And, and let me say there's one other thing that I, I really need to say to parents before I move on to my next uh, target group, and, and that is this parent. You might say, in hearing that, you might say, but I am not equipped. I don't know that I'm equipped 
for that task. And I understand that, I do, genuinely, I'm sympathetic to that. But what I would say is if you're not equipped, then get equipped. Because that's what we do with everything else, right? I've been coaching soccer with my kids for years now. When I started coaching soccer, I didn't know anything about soccer. I mean, I knew literally nothing about the sport. I knew that it involved a ball that you kick with your feet. That's about it. And I know a little bit more than that now, about, about 10 years later after having coached my kids along the way. And I'm by no means an expert. You want to know how I figure things out? I go to resources that are out there. I Google it. I get on YouTube. I, 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 I find other people who know what they're doing and I, and I watch them and I, and I shadow them and I learn, right? It's, we do that with so many other things in life. We ought not to just throw up our hands when it comes to discipling our children. And by God's grace, he's led you to a place where you can be equipped with those resources, This is a church that wants to make an investment in you as a parent so that if you aren't equipped for the task, then get equipped for the task. Because what is at stake in the lives of your children, your family, is far too, far too important to just surrender and wave the white flag, okay? All right, enough of that. The next group that I want to speak to are are people who have been there, who have journeyed down that road. Maybe, Maybe you're an empty nester, Maybe, maybe you, the emptiness happened for you a long time ago, right? But people who have been there, who, have, who, who are seasoned, you've got some, some years under your, your belt, so to speak, that you, you've journeyed for a while in the faith. Can I tell you there is such a need for you in the church? You notice when you study the Bible, there's no... There's no spiritual retirement plan laid out in the scripture that after you've done it for a certain amount of time, then you've served your time and it's time to, you know, hang it up as it were and and let others do that. In fact, you find quite the opposite. Go to Titus chapter two, study what, what Paul writes there to Titus about how older men are to invest in younger men, older women to invest in younger women. Study the scriptures. Look at particularly some of the more pastoral letters, first and second Timothy and Titus. Look at the instructions that are given about how those generations who have been there, those generations who have done that are to invest in the future generations and raise up others. There, there, are, there, there is literally a generation of people my age and younger who were raised in a, in a manner that we might describe ourselves as spiritually fatherless or uh, spiritual, spiritually uh, motherless in the sense that we, there are a generation of people who have not had those significant figures in their own family. There's such a need for people of God who have raised a family, who have invested in others to continue in that journey. And listen, life and health and other things, that's real, right? I mean, I I get that that, that over time, how you invest and the ways that you invest and even, even the pace perhaps with which you invest, that changes over time. And I acknowledge those are real things that I, I don't want to discount. But if you have bought the lie that says, well, I've served my time, I've done my part, today I want to sound the call for you that it is time to re-engage in the process because there are people who need you, who need your investment in their life. And frankly, there's something about you that's not complete unless you're engaged in the process as well. So every one of us are called of God to invest in others. And, and this is what I want you to hear me say. That you start where you are. 
wherever you are in that process, so much of the time we think of where we want to be or perhaps even where we feel like we ought to be and we know that we're not there now and we just give up. Start where you are and begin working toward that. Start where you are and begin growing in your faith, growing in your resources. Build relationships with others. Find people who can invest in you. Let us help you build those relationships. Let us help you create that web of, in, of, of resources and relationship and influences who can, who can equip you and help you. Start where you are and begin taking steps so that you might invest in others, that you might be a part of raising up a future generation of disciples. Every disciple, every single disciple, every follower of Jesus is called to duplicate, to multiply disciples by making an investment in the lives of others. No one is exempt from that. No one is, no one is let off the hook, so to speak. We are all called to raise up and invest in others who can raise up and invest in others. And, and frankly, we wouldn't be here today if someone hadn't done that for us. So let's give to future generations what was given to us that we may be a part of this discipling cycle, raising up a future generation. Let's, discipleship, let me go back to that, to that fundamental statement. Discipleship is not a class that you complete. You don't take a class and you say, well, that's it, I did it. I, I'm a disciple now because I took that class. I've got my certificate of completion. See, here's my graduation. That's not the way the discipleship works. It's not a program of the church. It's a path that we're all on as we follow after Christ, as we grow in our faith, as we grow closer to him, and ultimately as we become a part of the multiplying disciples, investing in the lives of others. It's the never-ending story, and there is such a need for us as the church today to engage in this never-ending story of faith. In a moment, we're gonna enter into a time of response, a time of invitation. In our time of invitation today, I wanna encourage you that if the Lord is speaking to you, if he's through the Holy Spirit, if he's laying a, a weight of conviction on you today, that you need to respond to that. And, and, and let me try to demystify it for you somehow. Let me try to take some of the, maybe the scariness or the, the, the intimidation of that off. You don't have to have it all figured out today. What we're not saying is walk out the door with a strategic plan for implementing discipleship whole scale in the life of your family today, right? That's, that seems like too much. That seems like drinking from a fire hydrant. It's too much to know. This is what you need to know today. The Lord has called you to make a decision where you are to devote your life to him and to become a part of the duplicating disciples by being deployed, by being sent out by being raised up to raise up others. And wherever you are today, I wanna to encourage you that you would make the decision to devote your life and your resources to the Lord so that you may be used of him to raise up other disciples, to develop other disciples so that we can all be a part of that discipling process, every one of us. And as a church, we stand committed, your staff, your leadership of your church stand committed to you that we are here for the long haul to invest in you, to invest in your family, to invest in, in your spiritual life, to help give you resources. Now you've got to ante up too. You've got to commit, you've got to jump in and, and become involved. But if you will be willing 
to take those next steps, I promise you, you will not journey alone. Together, we will be able to fulfill that mission that the Lord has given us as a people. Love other people to Christ, multiply disciples for his kingdom. That is our mission. That is our purpose. That is the vision that drives us to make disciples who can make disciples. And I pray today that through God's leadership in your heart and your life, that you would commit to be a part of this vision of multiplying disciples. When we enter into this time of invitation in a moment, our altar will be open. Maybe today what you need to do is just make that firm commitment before the Lord. I would encourage you to use this altar as the place today where you come and kneel in prayer and say, Lord, I devote all that I am to you. I'm making a decision today to devote my life, my resources, my time, my energy, my my gifts, my calling, all of it, Lord, are yours. Raise me up, use me to develop others, to, to, to reach others, to disciple others. Maybe today you're here and, and you need to take that first step that we spoke of in the beginning, making a decision to follow Christ, to surrender your life to him, to surrender all that you have to him by faith, trusting Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. If that's you today, then we want to lead you in a prayer of dedication as well, that you would surrender your life to him and begin this process of being a disciple who's following after Jesus. Wherever you are in that process today, would you be willing to commit to start there and to begin growing closer to Christ? I want to encourage you to commit to him, to take that step of obedience and surrender to his call today. Why don't you join me now in a word of prayer after I pray? We'll have a time of response together in which we will uh, we'll sing a song, but that really is the moment where, where we encourage you to step out and move in response to all that God is speaking and saying to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we get to become participants in your divine power through the knowledge of him who called us. Lord, that you invite us in, into a relationship with you, into a a family by faith, the body of Christ, into something that's bigger than us, something that's greater than us. And you call us, Lord, to pass it on to another generation that it may not end with us. And so today, we want to respond in obedience to that call and your direction for our lives. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts today. We confess that at times it can be scary, it can be intimidating to take those next steps, but we want to follow in obedience. We want to to take the next step, as it were, in that path that you've laid out before us. So we pray for your leadership. Move in our midst, we pray in your name. Amen. Let's stand